0: Today on Adventures in Faith with Jerry Savelle, On the day of Pentecost, when approximately 120
1: people were filled with the Holy Spirit, Satan couldn't stop it. Shortly after that, 3,000 people were born again and Satan couldn't stop it. And I'm telling you, my friends, God has plans for this hour and Satan can't stop it. We have entered into a time of acceleration. We have entered into a time of unstoppable momentum. I'm not saying you won't have to use your faith anymore, and I'm not saying you won't have to be willing to stand anymore. You still will. However, God is accelerating things. It's not going to take as long now as it has in the past. I thought you'd be more excited about that. It's not going to take as long now as it has in the past, praise God. Why? Because we've entered into a new era. Jesus is coming soon. And there's a lot to be done and accomplished before he returns. And God's accelerating things. And when God accelerates things, it becomes unstoppable momentum. And we've entered into it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm in it right now. And I hope you are as well. Amen. Now I want you to listen to this. It's been said, I've heard other ministers say this and I can't improve on it. So I'm just going to borrow it. It's been said that divine acceleration is the supernatural ability of God to bring his plans, his purposes, and his will to pass at a much faster rate than is humanly possible. When God decides that it's time for something to come to pass, then nothing can stop him from making it happen. Now, that's my own word there. When God decides that it's time for something to come to pass, Then nothing, including governments and certainly not the devil, can stop it from happening. There's a phrase in the Bible that I want to encourage you tonight to pay closer attention to than perhaps you ever have. And it's found in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, when the fullness Of time was come. Say it with me. When the fullness of time was come. Now I'm gonna read several translations. Amplified Bible. When the proper time had fully come. The Passion Translation, when the time of fulfillment had come, the New Living Translation, when the right time had come. Uh, Another translation says when the time came. To completion, all meaning the same thing. obviously, Paul is talking about here uh, of, of Jesus and the time for him to come into the earth and to fulfill his assignment from the Father. And Jan- First John chapter three verse eight tells us about that assignment. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. So, notice that phrase, in the fullness of time, at the proper time, at the set time, one translation says, God had something in mind, and when the time was right, he brought it to pass, and no one could prevent it from happening. Once again, not governments, and certainly not the devil. Amen? And Jesus came. And fulfilled that assignment. When that time had come, Jesus went to the cross, shed his blood, died, was raised from the dead, and all that God promised would take place after that was fulfilled came to pass. Man had the ability to be born again and to be filled with God's precious Holy Spirit. Amen. And the church was born out of it. Hallelujah. And no devil could stop it. Satan had to stand by and watch it happen. The Bible says in the book of Colossians from the writings of the apostle Paul, Jesus spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. And Satan couldn't stop it. Jesus was raised from the dead and Satan couldn't stop it. Jesus led captivity into the portals of heaven. And David is right at the front and shouting, open ye gates and the King of glory will come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord mighty in battle. He's the King of glory. And Satan couldn't stop it. Amen. On the day of Pentecost, when approximately 120 people were filled with the Holy Spirit, Satan couldn't stop it. Shortly after that, 3,000 people were born again and Satan couldn't stop it. And I'm telling you, my friends, God has plans for this hour and Satan can't stop it. I believe we are headed for another fullness of time. Another fullness of time and what God has planned for this hour, Satan is not going to be able to stop it no more than he could stop the last or a previous fullness of time. When God decided it's time for his son to come into the earth, Satan couldn't stop it. When God decides it's time for the church to experience the greatest time of the history of the church and the glory of the Lord, rising upon us to the point that it is seen upon us, Satan will not be able to stop it. The wealth of the sinner being laid up for the just, Satan will not be able to stop it. Hallelujah. The the Amplified Bible says the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just and eventually it will come into their hands and Satan can't stop eventually. And folks, we're not talking a thousand years down the road we're in it right now. It's happening right now. They don't know how to hold on to what they got. In fact, they don't realize it, but they are working for the church. Amen. Don't envy the the sinner and his wealth. I think I told you this story before, but it's worthy of repeating. When I first came to the Lord, there was a friend of mine that I actually was in the military with. And his father owned several businesses in our hometown. They were wealthy people. And uh, when I came to the Lord, he was interested in, in what had happened to me because he knew me BC, before Christ. <laughs> and, he, and he saw the difference in me. And he was interested. He'd, he'd always asked me about what God was doing and, 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 and the miracles that I was experiencing. And he said, I don't want you preaching to me. I, I mean, I'm not interested in getting saved. I don't want to know you Jesus, but I'm interested in, in what God is doing with you. And he'd call me to his office and say, tell me what's happening. Because I was preaching in the streets. I was winning, uh, the hippie movement was on, the good drug culture is being introduced in America, and I'm winning people left and right, getting them off drugs, getting them set free, going to the jails, going to the prisons, having miracles everywhere I went. And he was interested. And he'd call me to his office. Tell me what God is doing. Don't preach to me now. (laughs) And I come across that scripture one day the wealth of the sinner has been laid up for the just. And so I went to his office this particular time. And his secretary told him that I was in her office. He came out in the lobby. And when he came out, he came out like this taking money out of every pocket and throwing it at my feet. Take it, take it. I don't know why I'm doing this. Take it, take it. <laughs> I said, Bob, I know why you're doing this. He said, Really? I said, Yeah. I said, The Bible says the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. You're the sinner. I'm the just. I said, And Bob, if you don't get saved, I'm gonna wind up with everything you got. He fell on his knees, and said, Pray, pray, pray. Now, that was, that was 53 years ago, and to this day, I ran into him not too long ago in my hometown. I was sitting in a Cracker Barrel having dinner, and he t- come up and his wife tapped me on the shoulder and said, you remember us? I said, oh, yeah, Bob. He said, I just want you to know I've been serving the Lord all these years. <laughs> I said, well, that's good. You can keep your wealth. Hallelujah. <laughs> He's a deacon in the church now, praise God. Amen. Now, I, had, I, was, I, served, I was privileged to serve on Brother Robert's board for 20 years. And Brother Robert's called me one day. How many of you remember when he was believing for that $8 million, you know, and the press lied about what he said and all that. And they were on his case, which was not unusual. And uh, he called me and he said, I want you to come and spend the day with me in the prayer tower. He said, we got 1 million left that we need. Now, what the press didn't tell the people, they just said, they said things like God's uh, or Robert said God was going to kill him if he didn't raise eight million dollars. Well, that's not what God said, and that's not what Brother Robert said. And what he was doing was, he was raising eight million dollars to pay off the the school debts for the students who were going into the medical field, so that they could get out to the mission field. And I was building the prototype uh, medical facility in the nation of Kenya. And he was trying to get their debts paid off because a lot of them, once they they got their license to practice medicine, they couldn't leave the country because they had all these debts to pay off. And he's believing to pay their debts off so he can get them to the mission field. And he was using my medical facility as the prototype. And so he said, I want you to come and, and spend the day with me and let's pray. We need one more million. And so I flew to Tulsa and went up to the prayer tower with him. And when I got up there, there was a man in the prayer tower with him. And I didn't know this man. I didn't know who he was. Brother Roberts introduced me to him. He said, uh, uh, I want to introduce you to this gentleman, told me his name and he was from Florida and he owned dog racing tracks. And he said, he was watching television and heard me talk about, I needed one one more million dollars so I can get these these students out on the mission field. And he said, the man called me and he said, well, as I was watching you, he's not even born again. As I was watching you, he said, I told my wife, why aren't the Christians helping this man? Why aren't the Christians helping this man? He said, I got a million dollars. I'm going to fly to Tulsa and tell him I'm going to give the last million. So he was standing there in front of me and he said, pray for this man. He just gave us the last million that we needed. So I prayed with him. And then the man said, I've got to get back home. So he flew back down to Florida. And as he was, before he left the prayer tower, Brother Roberts uh, prayed over him. And then when he walked out the door, he said, no, Jerry, there's no need you staying here all day we got that last million. You can go home if you want to. I said, okay, I'll just go home. And I turned to walk out the door and he said, pray for them dogs. (laughs) That's oral. Typical Oral Roberts. Be sure and pray for those dogs. What happened? The sinner. That's not going to be an unheard of story any longer. Amen. Amen eventually is upon us. God's accelerating things. Amen. Now, don't go around asking sinners, have you got my money? Let God do it. Amen. I would suggest you walk around like this, you know, just in case. Amen. Did you hear my story about the brewery in Fort Worth, major brewery, Miller's Brewery. Well, I'll tell you <laughs> where we lived at the time, I had to drive by Miller's Brewery every day to go to my office. And every day I would drive by that, I'd roll my window down and I'd just shout, The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. And then I'd drive on to the office, and then on the way back home, I'd roll the window down and I'd say, The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. And one day, I came home from a meeting and my in house accountant said, Brother Jerry, we got a check from Miller's Brewery today. <laughs> now, my first reaction was, I thought maybe it was somebody that worked there that got saved. Maybe they endorsed their paycheck and sent it to the ministry. They said, No, no. It was directly from Miller's Brewery. Amen. Made out to Jerry Savelle Ministries. Hallelujah. Now, I went to a minister's conference shortly after that and made the mistake of telling that story to a group of preachers. And one of them come up to me and said, you didn't keep that filthy lucre, did you? I said, yes, I did. I cast all them beer-drinking devils off of it and used it for the gospel. Hallelujah. And I'm believing for more. Amen. Believing for more. Praise God. (laughs) Folks, we have reached that place called eventually. Look at your neighbor and say, we're in the place called eventually." eventually. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, now, Let's continue. Where'd I put my notebook? <laughs> the Holy Ghost and Carolyn had it. Okay. <laughs> All right, now listen. We're headed for another fullness of time. Amen. Daniel tells us that it is God and God alone who is in charge of the times and the seasons. It is God and God alone. Who can speed up things or slow down things? Did you know the first miracle of Jesus was a miracle of acceleration? He turned water into wine. It takes quite some time from the time you plant that vine and it becomes a grape. And then later becomes wine. We're not talking about something that happens overnight. I have friends that live out in California where uh, wine grape vineyards is prominent, and I've asked them, "How long does it take?" Because they some of them, when they were young, they worked in the fields. How long does it take from the time they plant that till the time it's ready to be turned into wine? it takes quite some time but the first miracle of jesus was a miracle of acceleration he turned water into wine and the governor of the feast said you know usually you you serve the best amen he referred to it as the best wine and it was a miracle of acceleration isn't it amazing he started his ministry accelerating things. I believe he's going to conclude by accelerating things. God is a God of patterns. Amen. Once again, Daniel tells us in Daniel 2 21 that God alone is in charge of the times and the seasons, not the government not the Democrats, not the Republicans, and certainly not Satan. When God says it's time for something to happen, then you can count on it. It will happen. For instance, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now he got that by the Holy Spirit. Bible says, all scripture's given by inspiration of God. Paul wasn't just sitting at his desk one day and said, hmm, what could I come up with that would be good preaching material? No, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write that in the last days perilous times shall come. The Amplified describes them as times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. Notice he didn't use the word impossible, not impossible to deal with and not impossible to bear, but hard. Well, folks, that's describing what we're going through right now. I'm not saying we're in the end of the last days, but we certainly are in them. Amen. Amen. We're in them. And what, if you keep reading that chapter, it sounds just like the day we're living in. But here's what he also said. Even though all this chaos and all this disorder is happening, perilous times, he said, in verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. In other words, he's saying, we don't need some new revelation that nobody's ever heard of continue in the things which you have learned. I'm still living today with the basic principles I learned 53 years ago, and I got good news for you. They still worketh. They're still working. Amen. Now, a lot of people, they, they don't like the basics. They're always looking for something new, winds of doctrine. Whatever the latest fad is, I had the privilege of, of speaking and doing chapel services for a number of the professional football teams over the years: the uh, Chicago Bears, the San Francisco 49ers, uh, Dallas Cowboys, Green Bay Packers. And one of my favorite teams was always the Green Bay Packers. That just happened to be the first team I ever saw on television when I was a little boy. When we got our first television, first professional football game I ever saw was the Green Bay Packers. And Coach Lombardi was the coach. And, and I just thought he was awesome. And so I became a Packer fan. Then the first team I ever saw on television as a little boy, you know, we, didn't, we, we only had one, one family on our street, on our road, street is a stretch of the imagination, on our road had a television set. And every Saturday night they'd put it in the window so the rest of the neighborhood could come and set up lawn chairs and watch it through the window. And then we finally got our television set. My kids think, and my grandkids especially think, I'm making this up. because They carry TVs around in their pocket. You know? and, and we finally got our television set, our first one. And the first football game I ever saw was the Green Bay Packers and the New York Giants, and I became a Packer fan. First baseball game I ever saw was the New York Yankees, and I became a Yankee fan. Now, people in Texas consider me a traitor. You mean you're not a cowboy fan? Oh, yes, until they play the Packers. You mean you're not a Texas Ranger fan? Oh, yes, until they play the Yankees. Okay. And so, Coach Lombardi. I mean, you know, they'd won so many championship games, they'd won Super Bowls, but every year, and I know this because I've been around some of the players a lot of times during the off season. Some of the players traveled with me. Some of them I've mentored. Some of them are in full-time ministry today. And some of the Packer players told me that every new season the first thing Vince Lombardi would do was hold up a football. Then they just won the Super Bowl. Hold up a football and say, gentlemen, this is a football. And then on the blackboard, he'd do X's and O's, blocking, passing, receiving, basics. He would never allow them to leave the basics. And then over a period of time, he'd introduce some new plays that he was famous for dreaming up but he never let them leave the basics. So many Christians a day. I think you know where I'm headed. They want something that tickles their ear, that sounds good, but it's not quite truth. A lot of these mega churches, and I'm not against mega churches, but a lot of them don't preach truth. They don't want to preach anything that would offend anybody. They want to preach anything that would cause a demand on somebody. They just want everybody to be happy. And be sure and bring us your money. But Paul said, when times like these are taking place, continue in the things you have learned.
0: can you overcome the storms and challenges of life? How can you be victorious against Satan's attacks? Today's special offer, the Open Hand of God special package, contains Jerry Savelle's brand new four-part audio series, Open Hand of God, along with his revealing book, Show Me Your Glory. In this special package, Jerry teaches how to have unshakable faith, how to know God's will, how God's glory brings miracles, and how to overcome any adversity. Learn how God will open his hand and freely give to those who refuse to be shaken in the midst of chaos and disorder. Don't delay. Call or go online now to jerrysavelle.org and request your copy of the Open Hand of God special package. Discover how God will satisfy you with everything you need. Regardless of the hardships and troubles around you, God's open hand will cause you to win.
1: Thank you so much for joining me today. And I pray that the lesson has been so beneficial to you, inspiring to you. And I trust, praise God, that you will position yourself to experience this prophetic word this year. God wants to open His hand and He wants you to experience unusual, extraordinary, and supernatural provision. It can happen to you. It's happened to me. It's happened to other people who've heard me preach this. And praise God, it can happen to you. Why? Because God is no respecter of persons. Now, if you want to continue studying this message, it is available to you on four CDs talking about the hand of God, representing provision. Every time you see the phrase hand of God in the Bible, most of the time it's talking about provision. But this is what God wants to do for you. This year, unusual, extraordinary, and supernatural provision. Four CDs. Then right along with it, a book that I wrote a couple of years ago entitled, Show Me Your Glory. When you talk about the glory of God, it is the manifestation of the goodness of God, the presence of God, and the power of God. This goes right along with the series on the hand of God. So this is our resource package that you can order today. And I want to encourage you to do it while it's fresh on your mind the resource package. Once again, the hand of God. So all the information for ordering is on the screen or you can contact us at jerrysavelle.org and please do it right away while it's fresh on your mind because I know these messages will continue to inspire you. I want to thank you for watching today. I want to thank all of my partners for believing in us and helping make this all possible. You're a vital part of this ministry you help us reach the world with a message of faith. Thank you. God bless you, and I'll see you again soon.